the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Blue Darter Sports Central with your host, Roger Franklin Williams. Stay tuned for the latest updates on Blue Darter Sports, along with interviews with student-athletes, coaches, and more. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Now, here's Roger. Welcome to Blue Darter Sports Central with Roger Franklin Williams. It's a great day throughout a Apopka. It's a great day to be in a Apopka Blue Darter. We're coming to you with a special edition of Blue Darter Sports Central. Coming to you live from Charlie Granger's famous hot dogs, brisket, and barbecue. It's a brand new place to hang out and get great food in Apopka. And we're pleased to have, be broadcasting live from there. We invite you to come on up and join us. Also, of course, want to let you know that Charlie Granger's will be a sponsor of a Popka Blue Darter football broadcast on 1520 WBZW this coming fall. And, of course, the spring game is this coming Thursday at Roger Williams Field. Got a great group of Blue Darters joining us. I'll introduce them, and we look forward to being joined by Coach Rick Darlington a little bit later in our show as well. But first of all, we're pleased to be joined by John Perry, editor of the Popka Chief and Planner. John, thank you for coming up. Thank you, Roger, for having me. Of course, nobody covers the Blue Darters like John Perry and the Apopka Chief and Planner, and we look forward to getting his insights on the show today. We're also pleased to be joined sitting next to John by one of the outstanding Blue Darter football players ever, three-time thousand-plus-yard rusher, member of the 2014 state championship team, Deshaun Massey. Yeah, you don't have to thank hey, you for having me. It's great. Thanks for coming up to be at Charlie Granger's with us. Thank you. Of course, you'll be moving on soon to... Coffeefield Junior College yes, sir. in Kansas, and we look forward to talking to you about that on today's program. Yes, sir. Also, an outstanding Blue Darter, effective former Blue Darter player from back in the day, and of course, well known for a lot of other things, many accomplishments throughout his life and career. Tom Dorman. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks for, thanks for the invite, and it's nice to be sitting here with these other people. And, of course, Tom's got a great business right now, Tom's Specialty Products, with his own brand of barbecue sauce, which is being marketed throughout Florida and throughout the southeast. But also, he's also well-known for serving as chairman of the Orange County Commission and also being instrumental in bringing the Orlando Magic to Central Florida and getting the first arena built so that could happen. And he's also a former Apopka Blue Daughters starting quarterback. And we're also pleased to have John Anderson joining us as well. John Anderson... Not country music, John Anderson, but the other John Anderson for his other accomplishments, class of 1961. And that was a great class, John, and we look forward to having you share a little bit about us because those guys had some great football teams back in that era, too, with George Kevin, Dan Goolsby, Bobby Manley, and, and so forth. A lot of people won't remember the names, but everybody will know Bobby Manley. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's um, go ahead and get started. Why don't we go ahead and start with Deshaun Massey. And Deshaun, just give us a little bit. You know, your career is well documented. We want to talk about some of that with you today on the show while you're here. But 
tell us about your new opportunity, you know, going to play at the next level at Coffeeville Junior College in Kansas. Uh, I'm really excited to get out there. Um, actually, my coaches called me a couple of days ago. They're really excited for me to come out there. And just me getting an opportunity for the next level uh, will show other people that I can do it at the next level and that is, if I can do it, anybody else can do it. And anywhere I go, I'm going to have to prove myself. So when I get there, uh, it's going to be full steam ahead for two years. So most likely I'm going to be a junior and a senior that year. So um, it's going to be a great opportunity. I hope I have a great year. And so, you know, a lot of our listeners listen to the Blue Iron Sports Central, go to the games. They listen to the games. They, they're very familiar. They follow in the Popkin Chief and Planner. They're familiar with Sean, Deshaun Massey. Others might not be so familiar. Um, know you're a great player, but you're not so-called the, the prototype college recruit. So I'd like to talk about that. You know, you're what you're like five foot two. Is that five right? Five foot two, yes, sir. Five foot two, and. In fact, I would. I made the comment. I think a lot of high school football programs wouldn't even you know, look at you to be a, a player in their programs. But I think one of the great tributes to Coach Darlington, you know, he judges players on their ability and, and their heart and what they do in the field, yes, sir. Not, not on what they look like, not the eye test. But the point I'm making is that, and I think Coach Darlington said it best. One of our previous shows, he said, if you were, you know, five ten, five eleven, you'd be a you. Know, five-star recruit by every power five program in the country but 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 you're not and, and and you weren't so talk about the recruiting process because i know at the college level you know they're looking for certain parameters you know size uh weight all this kind of stuff height um and, and so i'm sure a lot of them just you know didn't even you know give give you a good look so, and to the point where it looked like you might even play college football so can you tell us about your personal journey, you know, as a five foot two running, outstanding running back to to play at the next level. Oh yeah, um, I went to a lot of camps, a lot of camps, uh, like college camps and all. So um, yeah, every college, mostly every college has an eye test. So uh, going to camp and I end up being one of the outstanding running backs. And it's like you show the coach, but you're not in pads at the time, so they don't know what you're doing pads. So at that time, they're like, okay, he's good, but. It's another kid that also did good, and he's probably like five nine, five ten, and it's like I'm, I was like, okay, that'd be all right, because I never uh, in high school I never really focused on the college until it got down to like junior senior year, because I was just having fun. But um, the eye test is it's not really serious to me, because um, I know what I can do. They don't know what I can do, and I just all I needed was a chance, and this is my chance coming up, and I'll show them what I can do. Um, I'm not really focused on them and all. We're talking to Deshaun Massey, outstanding Blue Darter running back, one of the great programs, uh, players in the history of the program. That, that say it a lot. <laughs> um, but I want to we're also join. We're coming to you live from Charlie Granger's. It's the brand-new restaurant in Apopka. We're located in the Victoria Plaza. It's where Harbor Freight is the anchor store. We're right across from Perkins. Come on up and join us for lunch. We're going to have a great group of Blue Darters here joining us for lunch. And we have a great group of Blue Darters joining us right now. John Perry's here. Tom Dorman is joining us. John Anderson is here as well. Pete Paquette's producing on site. And, Deshaun, can you talk, were there any programs that you really, really wanted to play for that just didn't take a look at, just blew you off, wouldn't, wouldn't look at you? Uh, yeah, um, Virginia Tech, I, I really like Virginia Tech. Um, I think they came down for a practice one time, I think um, it was the year of Ted's, I think 20, 2014. Uh, um, I know I ended up talking to some coaches that day because a lot of scouts and all, but they, yeah, they gave me a side show there. It was a side show there and all, but it was at the same time in my head, I'm like, it's going to happen, Deshaun, so just keep going. Now, can you talk about 
Um, Coffeeville, how you got on their radar and, you know, how it came to, you know, their recruiting process and the things they've expected you expressed to you about why they want you to come play for them. Coffeeville. Uh, it was during, I think, going into football this season, our spring break, one of them. Um, I was I was with some friends that night, uh, Jordan Thompson, and then I just got, like, a phone call. It was from Coffeeville. I'm like, okay, this is a coach. And they offered me at his house. So it was it was pretty fun. And then that Hello, same coach. And then that same night it was like six more six more colleges calling. And Coffee was like uh outstanding when I went to go visit and all. So that they really interest me. So who were some of the others the other six? Um Del Mars Hill, Hutchison, Garden City, um New Mexico Institute, Military Institute, and Georgetown. And of course, Coffeeville for hardcore football fans. Though that that's a an elite junior college program. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, we're pleased to be joined by Coach Rick Darlington. Coach, thanks for coming over to join us today at Charlie Granger's. Happy to be here. And Coach, I'd like to just you know we had this blue and white scrimmage last Friday night, which you had talked to us about going into it. Now, like after the the game's over, can you share your thoughts on the blue and white scrimmage? I want to talk about Deshaun. Can I do that? Yeah, please do. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think that he has been one of the best players that we've had here. You know, there's been a long history of great players in Hoffman, especially running backs. I don't know if we've ever had one that could just be more consistent than him. You know, he's been a great leader, he's been a great player. And we said this before, but every Friday night on the field, he was the best player on the field every game, and it didn't matter who we were playing or what the venue was. You know, you look at the 2014 state championship game, and I believe he was the most valuable player. He scored the first two touchdowns of the game. And so, you know, he's did so much to our, for our program. And, you know, as our school, you know, he went to state and track, went to state and thing. He's a guy that all the teachers and the other students love. And so, you know, he won our Phil King Award, and uh, it's just the biggest honor we can give in our football program. And, you know, he'll go to Coffeeville and do great. And here's the thing. If Sean was 5 and 9, he'd be going to Alabama or Ohio State or Florida or anywhere else he wants, you know. But, you know, he can't help the fact that he's not that tall. But I think he'll go out there at that level. He'll shine and he'll get to sign with a four-year school and he'll do great. But I know this, he's going to get a college degree. No matter you know where he ends up, he's going to do great. He's going to do great in life. So, just really proud of him. We're going to miss him a whole lot. You know, we already do, but uh, he's a special one. So. And coach, can you? You know, Deshaun was actually got playing time as a freshman on an outstanding team. Can you talk about how, when he first caught your eye? Well, it's hard because he's so short. He, I, I might have overlooked him. But, uh, <laughs> Shot. I'm sure it was in the summer before his freshman year. I remember he came in and he lifted weights with us. Um, and he was a guy that lifted with the varsity. And I believe he went to camp. Did you go to FCA camp with us? FCA camp freshman year. Yeah, we took him to camp with us. And we could just tell he was special. Just had a lot of natural ability to to uh, carry the ball and see things. And, and so, you know, we kept him and Dimitri Birch up on varsity that year. And that was the year we set a state scoring record. And uh, a lot of times they get in the second half of the games and and uh, it seems like they were scoring as many touchdowns as the guys in the first half as far as, you know, every series. You know, you only get a couple touches with a running clock. But, you know, those guys got to touch the ball a lot that year. And then from the time they were sophomores on, they were huge parts of our offense. And – you know, I mentioned this with, to you before. It's one thing I tell everybody about the culture, the program under your leadership. You, you don't always agree with me, but 
you know, as I look at other programs, especially the the eight A, the nine A programs, the the, the winning ones, you all the guys kind of look the same. You know, I mean, and, and they're big. They're big. I mean, you don't see any five two guys out there. Um, can you just you know talk about about that? And, and, and he you know, and Deshaun's not unique. I mean, you had Jevrick Blocker who was. 5-4, and uh, the Gersmeyer twins who got playing time on a state championship team. Um, you know, a lot of guys don't fit the eye test parameters, if you will, in your program. Can, can you well, We don't that? cut the big ones just to play the small ones. It's just we don't have the big ones. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, we're not really being picky. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, whether you got ability, it doesn't really matter how big you are. You know, and like you said, we've had a history of, of smaller backs here, you know, and They've always done well. I, I never thought size really mattered when you were running back. I, I don't see how it could be a disadvantage at all. Because if anything, you, you can't see him, literally. When he would have come behind, when he'd run behind Tez, it's like, where is he? And then here's the thing. If you're talking about strength and this and that, I mean, you could put on a highlight tape and running over people. So the fact that he, you know, squats, you know, 450 pounds and power cleans 290 and benches, you know, 320 pounds, you know, it's not like he lacks for strength. And so now he's getting his five foot two up under your chin, as opposed to if he was five foot eleven, you might get up under him. And so I just don't see it as a disadvantage. But again, you're just looking for players and players with heart and guts and toughness. And you know, he has a lot of ability. We've had some like that, but I don't think size matters. But here's the thing: I'm not stupid enough to say that if Sean played at another school, he wouldn't have done so well. I think he's really good. I think if he went anywhere else, they'd say he was really good and he would have played there too. You know, I don't know what role they would have used him in, but they would have found a role for him, just like Coffeeville will because he's a talented player. And so any coach is going to use their talented players, whether they're five foot two or six foot two. And to, to speak to some of the things that Coach Dar- Darlington said, I'd like to go to John Perry. And there, there are two wonderful photos that, that John Got that are still at the forefront of my mind, and and also along the, you know the thing about Sean that we want to make, and obviously you're already hearing it, but he's not just a running back; he's a, a football player. And that there was one great shot to speak to what Co- Coach D was saying was uh, T- Martez Ivy, who's at least six five six six, was out in front of um, Deshaun blocking, and Martez Ivy was down in his his footballs, you know, good form, low low to the ground. Deshaun's running behind him. And and uh, Ivy's still taller than, than Deshaun, so you know it, it, definitely he's a hard guy to find out there for the defense. And then there's another photo. Well, there's there's three. One's of course that great memorable leap he did at the state championship game to score a touchdown from like the three or, I don't know three four five yard line or whatever it was, mm-hmm. but and became airborne. But then there's another great photo in the Apopka Chief captured by John of Deshaun leading the blocking into the hole, just a lead play, and he's throwing a perfect form block on, on the defensive player, I guess a linebacker coming up, and he's got, you know, got, just got him in a perfectly you know, making a wonderful block. And you know, How many great tailbacks do you see do that? Well, that's one thing we did that year. I remember in the playoffs, on certain plays, we'd have him at wing back, and he'd carry the ball on, on our counter play and our counter sweep play. But when we were going to run power off tackle, we wanted Chandler to run it. And so we took – because we didn't feel the other back was physical enough to run it inside. And so we let Chandler run it, but we put Sean at fullback and made him the lead blocker on the play. You know, so, again, here's a guy five foot two, 150 pounds back then as a lead blocker and was just great at it and would just pulverize people. So, you know, yeah, he's got the ability to block and catch and run and do everything else. 
And John, your thoughts? You covered him for for five, oh, for three years. Absolutely. You know, and I, I'm not just saying this because Sean is sitting next to me, but I've told others that if Apopka had 22 guys like him, in terms of heart and and work ethic and you know coachability and that type of thing, that I'm not sure how they would have lost the ball games. Uh, you know, but I, the the w- couple things that I noticed in Deshaun was that it reminded me honestly of Jeremy Gallon, you know. Um, who was too small to play, but a lot larger than Deshaun, but but uh, still only five seven ish. You know, is the footwork and and eyes uh, peeling around the field. In other words, you know, guys like Deshaun and, and Jeremy are, are looking for their next move before they make the the first move. And uh, it's, you know, you get out into the open field, and they're they're, they're thinking cut back on this guy who's coming in behind the guy that they're right in front of so um you know and it didn't always work out but but those kind of those kind of thought processes and and i'm not sure how much that's coaching or or that's just natural ability and some because some people have it and some don't um and you know you can because you've seen i mean it's, it's kind of like the the fast guys in track you think well why don't we put them at wide receiver and just let them run well that doesn't mean they can run routes well or even catch the ball, that type of thing. So uh, I think that was part of Sean's. And, and that all goes back. Some of it goes back to work ethic. And you mentioned the blocking and, and that type of thing. But, um, uh, you know, I, I have a bunch of pictures of, of uh, Tez leading, you know, and, and others leading Deshaun and, and that type of thing. And, you know. And I've got a couple where Deshaun's even got his jersey made as a kind of a balancing act there, and in running and, and almost slinging himself around, uh, you know, on a, on a sweep. So, uh, you know, that those kind of things is just that that kind of stuff. When you got a guy like Tez leading a guy like Deshaun, it, it, you're not going to stop that. And that's another point I would make, too, is that not just a great player, a player with a lot of heart and a lot of talent, an exciting player to watch. Because right. I've told uh, people that don't uh, – I'm invited to watch games that aren't from a pop kid, said, you're going to see a guy do things you're, you're not going to – you don't see in a football field right. before. Now, now um, Deshaun, I'd like to you – know, you know, those of us who follow high school football closely and especially a lot of people from outside of Apopka uh, who support other teams and so forth uh, follow Apopka football very closely. And, you know, we have our own outside observations that I share with people about why Coach D is such a great coach and we've had the success that we've had under his leadership in the program. But, you know, none of us know what it's like to play for Coach Darlington. Can you share your perspective as, as a player? Um, it's, it's hard. It's, it's going to start off hard. Then it gets fun. It gets funner. Um it's a it helps you out before college because um the attitude that we carry here is a good one and he let us know that if he's not talking to us anymore or he's not yelling at us anymore that means the coach doesn't care for you anymore so with him being constantly on us through my four years it, it helped me come out as better so i'll be able to with that withstand what i'm going to into college so uh it's a great i love, my whole coaching staff was great for four years it's the funnest coach coaching staff i ever had uh, hard times. Um, every coach taught me a lesson, even if I was mad, sad, or even too overjoyed. Uh, every lesson from a coach. It, it was fun, fun for years. Uh, this he actually he's he's more funny than me. So it's, that's right. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, <laughs> I'm a sweet old man too. <laughs> he, he's way more funny than he is me, but. At the same time, it's a it's a learning process. If you can't handle it, you can't handle it in college. So if you stick in there, you can handle it. You're the toughest dude to come out of a pocket. 
I like it. He's funny and mean. That's that's a good. <laughs> I'm not mean. That's uh, now, Coach. That leads me right into another question I, I wanted to ask. And you know, um, we all know how special that 2012 team was. And amazingly, this is kind of bittersweet. That's very sweet. But the bitterness is how fast time goes. And you know, those guys, the ones that went to college and went through in four years, are now some of those guys are graduating from college now. You know, Dazzy Morris graduated, Blocker graduated, you know, Hendrickson's going to the NFL. Um, c- can you just reflect on, on that 2012 team for us? And, and now also, as, as, as to see them now go through, you know, go out of college, many of them now, and um, you know, go you know, prepare for the world, go well, into the world. The thing is, I remember it was 2011, we were 6-5. and five. You know, that's the worst year we've ever had at a Popco. And that was my son Ty's senior year. It broke my heart for him to, you know, go out on that team because he's one of the greatest leaders we've ever had. But he, after his sophomore, sophomore year, we were in the semifinals. His junior and senior years, we were first-round playoff exits, and that hurt a lot. And so then the next year, 2012, you know, we uh, we didn't start well. You know, we, we started off one and two. And we, we, we weren't a good team, and we weren't a good team with the intangibles or the ability on the field. We, we were a mess, you know. And I remember that team, we really – it flipped. And it's hard to flip intangibles, you know. You, you can get better on football field, but if you don't have chemistry, it's hard to create that. But somewhere in there during the season, they flipped it, and they got better. And uh, we caught fire at the right time. And we tend to play our best ball in the playoffs. And so that was uh, – you know, really special way that team flipped it, you know, and then we went in there and, you know, the, uh, the, the that year, you know, the, uh, the, the beating DP in the semis was a really big deal because they had beaten us in the first game of the year badly, worse than the score indicated. You know, it was 35-17, but I think it was at least 35-7 at some point in the second half. And so, you know, to beat them in the semis and then to win that wild one like we did, against Cypress Bay, it was special. So, again, all teams are different. But, again, I just remember how that team flipped their intangibles. You know, and then, like you said, you got guys now like Dazzy Morris is going into coaching, Trey's going to the NFL, Blocker's done well in school. So a lot of those guys, the Bevels, you know, the Bevels are on scholarship at Clemson and won a national championship last year. So there's a lot of players that we just love to see them come back. You know, when they come back for spring football, we just light up to see them because it's just so neat to see how they've grown up. And you don't ever know what guys are going to develop into. You know, who would have thought Trey Hendricks would be an NFL player? But, again, I've, I've only had one or two in my life that I thought this guy's going to be an NFL player. And, and, and you know, Tez was one. But um, they're really rare. And so those guys have done well. But, again, the goal for them is you know, it's not the NFL. It's just to get a college degree or to be successful in whatever they're undertaking, whether it be the military or a job or raising their family or whatever. So, you know, that was a special team to us without a doubt. And to get to win a, a state championship with my son, Zach, was really special too. And so that was definitely a, a year we're always going to remember. And I'd like to follow that up and ask about Zach. Once again, everywhere I go, and I'm sure like John, and you know, I talk to other high school football fans that aren't from Apopka, and, uh, but they're all fascinated about the program, about you. And, 
every time I talk to somebody, they ask about Zach, um, you know, and, and how he's progressed. Of course, everybody remembers that dramatic injury on the road up there uh, against the team from South Carolina that was on ESPN Worldwide Television. Uh, can you give us an update on how, how Zach is doing? Zach's good. You know, he's good. He went to Nebraska early, and uh, then he redshirted, and, you know, they had a coaching change, and so they don't really see him as their type of quarterback, so he's playing slot receiver. You know, he'd like to play more. He's hopeful to play more, but He's a great teammate. You know, he's trying to make academic all Big Ten. He's been on their leadership committee. He's been on their, uh, you know, they have a thing where all the different athletes from different sports win a certain award for character and off the field service. He's won that award. So he's doing great. You know, he'll graduate um, next year, and he'll still have one more year to play if he wants it. But, you know, again, he's going to get a degree from Nebraska, and I'm proud of him. And he's loving Nebraska lifestyle. He's bought himself a new assault rifle to, uh, to uh, not shoot terrorists with, but, but he says to shoot critters because that's where they – out there, that's where they hunt with. I, I, you know, here you shoot a 270 or a 30 6 He wants to shoot with an AR-15. Wow. You know, so I guess the deer out there are in trouble. <laughs> he doesn't want to catch it. But he likes to do stuff like that. He was home, and him and his buddies would go, like, hunting alligators and stuff. And so, you know, he just likes that. He likes the Nebraska lifestyle and the people and the way it's all spread out and stuff. So he's doing really good. Everything's good. Thank you for that great report. Great to hear that he's doing well. And he's adapting, obviously. And, and while was talking, I'd like to ask you about Ty as well because he had a phenomenal career. You mentioned him earlier. You know, he had that disappointing senior season with the team. Not with Ty, but the team going 6-5 and five in an early exit. And he had a phenomenal career at Oklahoma. Yep, yep. Yeah, he, he finished up at Oklahoma, and he won several awards. He was all Big 12 center. He won the Campbell Award for like the academic Heisman. He won the uh, Warfel Award for community service. And uh, he worked this year as a like a assistant AD at Oklahoma. Right now he's in Haiti on a mission trip. He's done several of those from Oklahoma. And just try to plan his next step. You know, He wants to get in get graduate school summer and get an MBA. He's already got one master's. But he wants to get an MBA in case he decides to go the athletic director route. And he wants to, uh, you know, probably be a GA somewhere and coach football and try that route. He knows the college AD route. He's done that a little bit. He wants to try out coaching and see which one he wants to do long term. So we're just kind of waiting to see what his next step is going to be that area. Awesome. It's doing great to see him doing great. We all knew he would. we got a break coming up. Before we go to break, though, you mentioned Trey Hendrickson, and I just wanted to ask you kind of a – you know, a question or two about him. One, just more of it, make an observation, I guess, and then ask you about him. Of course, he's like, I guess, got drafted by the NFL. And but one of the things I wanted to, from my perspective, mention is that you know, he had been a defensive end and a good one going into his senior year. No, in that 2012. He wasn't very good. At okay, it. just <laughs> okay. That's part of part of the question was. And then your senior year, in your opinion, he was good. Yeah, he, in my opinion, he was what good. What makes him good? <laughs> <laughs> he looked like a hard hitter. A hard hitter as a defensive end? Who cares? I mean, if you can't play technique and play blocks and do that kind of thing and do what you're supposed to do as a defensive end, you get your other guys killed on the team. So, no, I wouldn't say he was a good defensive end. I think he became one in college, but I don't think he was for us. But anyway, the but, point is. But, but, but you, you switched him to tight end. Well, first we suspended him. We kicked him off the team for like four months. So we, we got rid of Trey because he was being an idiot. And so um, when we brought him back, we brought him back as a manager. Yeah, see, people don't know this. You get the inside scoop right here. That's what we want. Absolutely. We, we brought him back as a manager, okay? And then, uh, and then we decide we're going to play him at tight end. I go, your defensive days are done here. 
you know. And here's the thing, too. We did the same thing with K.J. Dillon as far as we played him at receiver as a senior because as a free safety, he was getting us killed. And I thought he was an otherworldly talent at, at, at receiver. Like, I think K.J. Dillon could be like a Hall of Fame receiver. Now, he's in the NFL as a DB. That's fine. But for us, he was a really, really good receiver. He was good with the ball in his hands, too, running the ball. He was just a really special athlete, obviously. He won the state in hurdles, didn't he? Yeah, won the state yeah. in hurdles. So, I mean, he was another really great athlete. But we played him on one side. College played him on the other. That doesn't matter to me. We're going to play him where they have to play to help us win. And that's kind of how we've always been. You're not necessarily going to play your college position. And so Trey came back as a tight end. Now, do you think he was a good one? Two well, touchdown well, catches well, against well, Dr. Phillips in the States. Well, 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 Roger, you're cutting me off here. <laughs> you're Go ahead. Go ahead. Two, two touchdown catches in the States of my finals, right? And then uh, in the finals, we ran all those reverses to him, right? So here's the thing, right? So here's the thing people don't know. You remember in the state finals, we had fourth and eight, okay? And it was like a minute and a half left, maybe a little more than that, probably two minutes left. Fourth and eight on the 15 going in, and we call timeout. Fourth and eight. So I go out there, and I'm telling them we're going to run this play that Trey runs a little high high route, goes underneath. Zach's going to roll out, throw him the ball. He's going to catch the ball and win the state championship. Everyone's just quiet. It's like Hoosiers. You know, where they all of a sudden, Coach Dale says, What's wrong? What's wrong? And Jimmy Chitwood says, I'll make it, Coach. I'll make it. You seen Hoosiers? Absolutely. Yeah, Hoosiers. Favorite movie, absolutely. Okay, so I go, well, Y'all want to run sweep? You want to shift and run the sweep? They all go, Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Sweep on fourth and eight? Trey was the one saying it. He goes, we're more physical than that, so let's run sweep. So we shifted, and they jumped off sides. Now it's fourth and three. We got four. You know who made the key block? Trey Hendrickson. Well, we won state because Trey Hendrickson decided we're going to run the ball. He made the key block. No one knows that except us. And then he could have caught the winning touchdown pass in all glory. So here's a kid who totally flipped his mindset. Six months earlier, he's kicked off the team for being a jerk. Now he's the one being unselfish and helping us win a state championship. So that's what I'm proud about Trey. He just changed as a person, as a teammate. He became a better, a better teammate. You know, and that's what I remember about him. Went off to FAU. FAU did great there. You know, he'll do great in the NFL. Very proud of him. You know, but definitely, again, we're always looking for guys. Our stories about guys always revolve around their heart. You know, what they do, what they give to the team, not what they get from us or what they make us necessarily on the field. It's what they're willing to give to their teammates. And so Trey turned out to be pretty special in that area. I did want to make one observation, and I think it speaks to your you know, attitude about coaching or, or your coaching style and that and uh, my observation, and you know, you sure you might disagree, or but you know, when you made the switch from Henderson to, to tight end, if I remember correctly, he dropped a lot of balls early in the season uh, to the point I was kind of you know, wondering if you were going to stay with him there at, at that position and keep throwing to him, which, which you continue to do. And then, as you said, he blossomed into by the end of the season, he's helping he, that, that play he made against Dr. Phillips was the best play I've ever seen a tight end make on, on, on any level. But you know, He's a good athlete. There was no doubt. I mean, people drop balls, but I mean, it's not like it was a habitual thing where he can't catch. You know, no, he was we, we knew he'd be a good tight end. And in our single wing attack, he played blocking back, which is the most important position on the field for us. And so he uh, he did a good job on both areas for us. Well, guys, it's up, guys, it's up time for a little break here. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue to come to you live on today's special edition of Blue Darter Sports Central. Coming to you live from the new Charlie Granger's world-famous hot dogs, brisket, and barbecue 
in Apopka at the Victoria Plaza. Speaking with Coach Rick Darlington, John Perry is here of the Apopka Chief and Planner, Deshaun Massey, one of the all-time great Blue Darters, and other great Blue Darters, Tom Dorman and John Anderson here as well. Please stay with us. We'll be right back on Blue Darter Sports Central. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Covering Apopka and all of Northwest Orange and West Seminole Counties. Your hometown station, 1520 WBCW and online at 1520WBCW.com. The Apopka Fire Department want kids to stay safe in the car. Road injuries are the leading cause of preventable deaths and injuries among children. Safety seats can reduce that risk by up to 71%. Make sure all passengers are buckled up while the car is in motion. Young kids should be secured in a car seat according to their height, weight, and age. See manufacturer or stop by any Apopka Fire Station for assistance. Children younger than 6 are to be in a federally approved car seat. It's the law. And don't forget to register your safety seat so that you're notified about any product recall. To find out more, go to apopka.net. So from the Apopka Fire Department, remember these easy tips. Make sure all passengers are buckled up while the car is in motion. Young kids should be secured in a car seat according to their height, weight, and age. See the manufacturer's label for all the details. Or make sure you stop by any Apopka Fire Station for complete assistance. Children younger than six are to be in a federally approved car seat. It's the law. And register your safety seat so you're notified about product recalls. For more details, go to apopka.net. That's apopka.net. The safety reminder from the Apopka Fire Department. Charlie Granger's known throughout the South for their world-famous hot dogs and mouth-watering brisket and barbecue is now open in Apopka. The new Charlie Granger's also has mouth-watering classic Southern soups and sides like Granger's gumbo soup, white bean and brisket soup, and their mouth-watering brisket baked beans. Enjoy world-famous Charlie Granger's hot dogs like the Orange County and Mohee, as well as originals like the Peacock, the Sombrero, and of course, the Blue Darter. 19 delicious varieties in all. Charlie Grangers believes that good food makes for good times. The Charlie Grangers atmosphere is simple and easygoing. The kind of place where friends and family relax over great food and shared experiences. A great place for celebrations, big and small. Mouthwatering, simple and easygoing. That's Charlie Grangers. Bring your friends and relax over great food in a throwback atmosphere at Charlie Grangers Apopka, located on Highway 441, just north of the 451 interchange in the Victoria Plaza, across from Perkins. Find out more at charliegrangers.com. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Now, here's Roger. Welcome back to Blue Darter Sports Central. Roger Franklin Williams coming to you live on a special edition of Blue Darter Sports Central. We're coming to you from Charlie Granger's world-famous hot dogs, brisket, and barbecue in the Victoria Plaza in a It's on West Orange Blossom Trail, right across from Perkins. We're going to be sticking around having lunch. We've got a great bunch of Blue Darters here joining us as well right now. We look forward to having lunch with them right after the show. Have a great lineup. Coach Rick Darlington is joining us. Deshaun Massey, one of the great players in the history of Apopka Blue Darter football, is joining us. John Perry, of course, editor of the Popka Chief and Planner, who's covered Blue Daughter Sports for 40-plus years, is here with us. Tom Dorman is joining us. In fact, Tom's a former Apopka Blue Daughter quarterback. And John Anderson is here as well, representing the 19, class of 1961. And uh, now, of course, which uh, Bobby Manley was a key member of, of that class and a great player back in, in that time. Uh, let's go to Tom Dorman. And, Tom, thank you for being here to, to join us. And yes, can, can you just... Here, right? um, 
maybe give some of your impressions of, of, of Blue Dart football under the leadership of Coach Darlington and maybe give us a word or two about, about your day back in the day as well. Well, I've admired uh, Coach since he appeared in Apopka. I, I could tell from his leadership and the qualities he was bestowing upon young men here in Apopka, and obviously the record is indicating of his desire to do what he's done. Great uh, person to be in Apopka, and we're glad to have him, and uh, he's produced some great young men, and he's indicated uh, there. Yeah, I had the opportunity to uh, move to Apopka in 1946 when your father came to Apopka as principal, and then I had the opportunity to participate in the three sports, football, basketball, baseball, that's all that was here, and I had the opportunity to uh, play quarterback for the Apopka Blue Darters in 1951, and then I guess my... uh, Expertise at that particular time was basketball. I did get a scholarship to Rollins to to play basketball for them, and so I've been here a long time, and I've been a part of the community, and I've enjoyed. Uh, I married my next door neighbor, Carolyn Grice. Uh, we'll be have married 62 years in September, so that's a pretty good track record, I think. Uh, and uh, I've really been blessed uh, with good health. Uh, I'll be 86 years old in September, and um, I'm still enjoying getting up every day and doing the things that I can do. And uh, uh, I'll plug my little barbecue sauce business. Please do. I, about 11 years ago, I just started. I got run out of things to do. I played golf till I was, you know, just kind of tired of playing golf. And I decided, well, you know, I need to do something. So I've had the uh, opportunity to uh, create some uh food products over my lifetime and enjoyed them and then I took that little uh, observation to go into the barbecue sauce business and 11 years ago uh, now we're uh, approaching uh, my recent uh, accomplishment is we're in 250 public stores throughout the state of Florida and which gives me a total of about 350 stores that Tom's sauces are now going to be in so it's been a fun little project and uh, I'm just enjoying life and enjoying every day when I can get up and do the things that I do. That's great. Thanks for being here to join us today at Charlie Granger's and sharing some great Blue Darter history with us as well. And then also, as we've talked about, too, on other shows, you were instrumental in uh, the early years of Apopka Little League, which this year is celebrating its 50th anniversary. Well, that was an important part of my life is being able to deal, you know, of course, guys. John Perry was one of the yeah, original uh, players. Exactly. Uh, so it's we had a long history of that. And then... Uh, for eight years, I was able to enjoy the opportunity of being a public official, the Orange County Commission, and during that time frame, we were able to, uh, with other people's help, be able to get the Orlando Magic born, and and uh, they're part of our community now. So those those were very important and uh, great experiences in my lifetime, and uh, I'm just proud to uh, continue to be able to brag about it a little bit. Another popular blue guard we're all proud of, Tom Dorman, joining us. No, Coach, I'd like to just ask you, you know, about the, the team at this point in the spring. Well, go ahead and ask. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you made a statement. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Don't on, give me that vague stuff. Give me a question. <laughs> what are, are my thoughts? Uh, I think uh, we wear blue and white. Are you are you pl- are you pleased are you pleased <laughs> with the progress? No, I'm not pleased. <laughs> Do you know me? 
Why would I be pleased? I figured you wouldn't be, but I didn't want to anticipate. I didn't want to anticipate either. You want me to say, yeah? You know, we've had a good spring. You know, that just whatever the truth is. I just, well, the truth is, no, I'm not pleased. But I mean, I'm not unpleased with our attitudes and our effort. I just think that spring football is is it's tough. It's five weeks of you know brutality. We'll call it, and we pound on each other, and you know we. You know, there's a lot of beating going on. Not that the coaches beat the players, but the players beat the players. But, you know, the key to me in spring is really you want to get your base schemes down on both sides of the ball, you know, and, and, and understand what we're doing. But then you got to get the right people in the right places. And I still think we're about two to three positions short of knowing that's the guy there. You know, we're just not sure yet. And we got to get that stuff wrapped up this week. It's not like people magically appear in the summer. You know, it's almost like what you have coming out of uh, out of the last season. That's really you kind of know what you have. You don't have a lot of surprises. Like there's no one out there on that field right now that I'd say is in a starting role, except literally maybe one or two guys that I go, I didn't think he would be there. Now there's one. I can think of one, maybe two, but you pretty much know what you've got coming. You know, now you don't know how your intangibles are going to develop, and your leadership, and your camaraderie, and your chemistry, and your coaching, all that. That that stuff's all, you know, always a work in progress. But you kind of know the skill level you have, and really more than not, you sometimes get your hopes up. Like a guy will have a great off season in the weight room, and you're thinking, man, that guy's going to be a really good player. And then you get on the field, and they're not so good. And that's sad, but there's a lot of guys that work really hard. They just aren't overly skilled. They don't develop like you like. But I think that um, it, we, we're working hard to get our stuff squared away on what we're going to do and who's going to play where. And, you know, it's been in a productive spring. You know, I mean, I'd love spring. You know, I don't I don't think the players love spring. But, but we, uh, I love spring. I love being out there. We practice out there at Pond Can, you know, at the, the park, and I love being out there under the pine trees and no one's really around. And it's really, it's really great. So I love spring football, and so I'm really glad that we get to go out there and do that. I'd like to follow that up with, as Deshaun mentioned, you know, he feels now prepared for pretty much anything that Coffeeville or college football could throw him. And I've talked to other players, and they feel the same way that, um, you know, the things that. that that you put, you know, as part of your program makes these guys tough, you know, mentally, physically tough. You have know, read a lot about Coach Bear Bryant over the years, and he actually structured his program to, you know, make things difficult. Oh, to, no question. And, um, you know, I see some parallels from my observation point of view, and, you know, that philosophy. Can, can you uh, speak to that? Well, I don't know if we just try to make it overly difficult. I just think we try to make it where uh, the guys know our expectations, you know. And the key is when they become a great team is when they embrace those expectations, where they don't feel bad because we want them to be excellent or they feel sorry for themselves or they don't buy in. They want to be average. I mean, that would be bad. You know, so when the players embrace the expectations that we have with our tradition and what we expect them on and off the field, that's when you have a special team. You know, and that's what we hope to have this year. I think this spring our defense has been playing really well. You know, it's hard. We go into games and, you know, we averaged, what, over the last five years, probably 48, 40, 45, I don't know, points per game. So we score a lot of points, not on our defense. You know, in practice, they see us every day. They know how to play us. They're physical. It's hard to get it our first down on them. And so I think our defense is uh, 
playing really well this spring so far. Obviously, next week against Orange City, we'll see. You know, but uh, offensively, again, we'll be fine scheme-wise. We do what we do, just trying to get the people in the right places. So, Coming to you live from Charlie Granger's. Come up and have lunch with us. I'd go back to John Perry now. And, of course, we've talked to Coach Darlington about the schedule and some, you know, really some tough teams on the schedule, including a very exciting game where Coach is going to – we're going to go down to Lakeland, which is Coach Darlington's alma mater. In fact, his, his high school coach, you know, Bill Castle, is, is still coaching him. John, can you just talk about the, the schedule from your perspective? Well, it is it is a fairly tough schedule, Roger. There's six road games, first of all. Uh, next year, because of the way the schedule will flip and whatnot, it'll be seven home games. So, uh, you know, this year, though, just four home games, and that's not counting the, the kickoff classic, which will be at home against Daytona Mainland. And then there's a, a, a major uh, state competitor there. So, uh, Ocoee is the first week of the regular season. Uh, which will be the week after the mainland, and, and Ocoee won their district last year. Popka handled them, but that was early in September or late August, I guess, and and so we'll see how that goes. But then the next two weeks are at Dr. Phillips and at Lakeland. Well, I you know you could have a little tougher two two game stretch, but but not really. I you know uh, across the across the state. Um, Unless you lined up against IMG two weeks in a row, so um, you know those two teams will will bring everything that a Popka wants, and will be good tests whether a Popka comes out two and zero or zero and two or, or one and one. It'll it'll uh, certainly give a Popka an early indicator of, of, of where they'll be, uh, you know, and where they need to improve and and where they need to keep just keep uh, getting better. So um, you know, have a trip to Jacksonville Mandarin. Uh, as well uh, on the schedule, it's it'll be a little different to to hit up that way. Haven't haven't played up there that I remember, except in the playoffs. So, uh, but a regular season game up in Jacksonville, and then the uh, the normal uh, district is is will be Evans, uh, West Orange, and Wakiva, and uh, Evans, uh, you know, it's floundering. I guess the best way to put it in West Orange. Who knows? Uh, you know, ten and zero two years ago, two and eight last year. So uh, I would expect they'll they'll be uh, at least uh, reasonably decent uh, this year. And Wakiva, goodness, uh, I went to their interest squad game last night and, and uh, for a little while. And Lord have mercy, they've got some bodies on that team that just. I know uh, from a purely athletic standpoint that most any high school coach would want. And, and so uh, defensively, they, they bring back nine or ten guys against that defense that was very, very good last year and got some uh, new skill guys that uh, on offense that uh, we'll see how that works out. But uh, so, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a definite long road ahead. Uh, you know, there, there is one little thing. The games will start at 7 o'clock. This year, uh, instead of 7:30, uh, you know, Roger, you and I remember when it was 8 o'clock, and and uh, I know Coach Darlington doesn't like those those uh, earlier starts uh, because he thinks that the, the Friday night lights should be under. Uh, you know, That's uh, just for the second half. Yeah, you, know, you play in the daylight for the first half. Yeah, it's so uh, it's you know, but uh, you know, so there is a, there is that, and and that honestly, I think that might affect the Popka attendance. I mean, because there's a decent number of people who who live or live in Apopka, maybe work in the, even north or central uh, Orlando area, and, and for them to get, even if they leave right at five o'clock, uh, to come home to get get home, get dressed for a ball game rather than an office and that type of thing, it, it may take may 
may take them a little longer and, and that type of thing. So we'll see. And, and there'll be some, I think there'll be some public adjustment to that. But, uh, but uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But it's certainly a tough schedule, especially that second and third game again at, at DP and at Lakeland. I'd go back to Coach now. And friends, I want to let you know we're coming to you live from Charlie Granger's brand-new restaurant in Apopka owned by Apopka Blue Darters. It's also world-famous hot dogs, bar- brisket, and barbecue located in the Victoria Plaza Anchor Stores Harbor Freight, and they're right across from Perkins. Come up and join us for lunch. We'll be sticking around and having a great lunch after the show. We're joined by Coach Rick Darlington, by John Anderson, by Tom Dorman, Deshaun Massey, and John Perry, a Popka chief and planner editor. Coach, there have been two major rules changes for next year. You know, one is, is how teams qualify for postseason, and the other is, is a, a, a tremendous liberalization of transfer rules. And I'd like to get your thoughts on, on those two topics. Which one first? How about the transfer? Ridiculous. I mean, it's like free agency. But here's the thing. People don't understand... The state says you can go where you want as long as you have transportation. But then each county has their guidelines. Well, our county says that you can't do that unless the school you're going to is under capacity. Well, there's only one that I know of that's under capacity, and that's Jones. And, yeah, we can all laugh and see what happened with that. And so all these people going different places, if they're not moving into that zone, it's illegal. Now, do I think anything's going to be done about it? Of course not. Okay, but it's just ridiculous because we're not going to play an ineligible guy. We never have. If we know someone doesn't live on his own, they're not going to play. And so, again, I'll take the ones that grow up in Apopka and want to be blue daughters, and they play in the CFYFL or with the Raptors or with the Apopka Pop Warner. Those are the ones I want. You know, we don't get a lot of kids transferring in here. The ones that do, it's like their parent got a job or something, they come in. It's not like people come over here to play for the blue daughters. You would think they would because we win, but that's not why kids transfer. Kids transfer to be promoted, to be seen, to be featured, to be coddled, to be stroked. We don't stroke them. Sean can tell you that. We're going to try to make him a man. And we love him, but when your dad loves you, he's not always, you know, sparing the paddle on you. <laughs> and so we got to make sure people understand that they're not coming into a popka. We're full anyway. And so we have some go out. Okay, we almost laugh and say we're a prep school. We'll, we'll go ahead and get them ready, get them strong, coach them up, and then you can go ahead and finish them up. <laughs> and that's kind of what it is. But, again, if they don't want to be here, they need to go. Because I'd rather play with a bunch of guys that want to play for a popka, not for themselves, but play for a popka and play for each other than a bunch of guys that just want to be promoted or what feel this is that. I don't feel he's just unfair to me. That, that, that's not an interest to me. I'm not interested in really having a bunch of happy football players. I'm interested in having a successful team of, of, of guys growing into men that love each other. You know, and if we're all too happy, we're probably not very good. So that's my talk on transfers. Great insight. Uh, it, it, no, what about the, the, the district? I don't know district. how it works. John, I'll tell you, because I really do not know. I mean, in the as past, I didn't try to explain now, it. I'm going to ask you a second. Since I've come to Pop, Roger, because you're a statistician and a historian, how many state titles have we won? Three. We're three, right. Now, of those state title teams, how many of those teams do we also win the district in the same year? None. That'd be zero, right? Okay, so every time we've gone into the, into the we've won a state championship being a district runner-up. Daggum. 
That's a pretty good rule. So my thought is, have a champion, have a runner-up, make the districts bigger, that's fine. I don't like to have a three- or four-team district because it's hard to schedule that way. But the, the system was fine. Now the system is, no one knows. I don't know. And so it's kind of like, okay, I'll play them. I'll play them. We might go three and seven. I don't know. Maybe we'll still make the playoffs because we're playing all these teams. We're playing a team out of Miami. You know what they're going to look like. McCoey won their district. We're playing Mainland, who's a great team every year. We're playing Lakeland. You know, they've won only 400 games under Coach Castle. <laughs> and then we're playing Dr. Phillips. They were in the state championship game last year. So our first four are ridiculous. But, again, it's not like I can go, hey, you know what, let's go ahead and play a Mount Dora Shiite Academy for the blind. <laughs> you know, they're not playing us. And so I've got to play the people that are going to play us. And so the people that want to play us are the ones that say, okay, we come get a piece of that bluebird meat. We'll play y'all. And so, you know, the only teams that want to play us, you know, I'll be honest, Boone said, yep, we'll play. I've got great respect for Andy Johnson. You know, he says, yep, we'll play. And so we're playing Boone. Who else wanted to play? Norland wanted to play. I probably don't want to play them. But, uh, you know, I think West Orange would always play us. You know, but there are some other teams. You know, I can't say their name, but like Lake the Brantley. I didn't say their mascot. <laughs> I'm glad. They won't play us anymore. They said they needed a break. So it's a 40 year rivalry. They broke a rivalry. And that's a lot of money for the schools, that gate, you know. So Brantley won't play us anymore. There's another team down there in College Park. What's their name? Edgewater. They won't play anymore either. And so they want to build their program back. And I respect Cam Duke for doing that. But these are some rivalries, you know what I'm saying? And I just can't imagine myself going, you know, up to my principal or someone or telling John Perry, John, you know what? We're not going to play Lake Brantley this year. I just think we need a break. You'd look at me like I had three heads, wouldn't you, John? I mean, there's just certain games that you got to play. I respect the fact that Ben Bullock and Akoe said he would play us when he was trying to build his program. I respect guys like that. So, again, if you want to be good, if you want to be great, you got to play good people and beat great people. And so we're not going to dodge them. We'll play them all. But we really don't have a choice. It's not like I said, well, I could play Umatilla or Lakeland. Okay. <laughs> it was Lakeland or they'll play eight games. And so we'll play the guys that will play us. But I have no idea how the playoffs work. John can tell you. Somewhere during the year, John's probably going to tell me, well, you're out of contention. You lost too many games. And I no, don't know. I don't no, know how it works. That's the problem is it, it won't know, know for sure end. until the end and everybody's record is because it's all but a point system based on – the, your opponent's records, unless you win your district. The district champ in 8A will go to the playoffs. But even there, there's a seeding factor uh, that you'll have a first round home game, but after that, you might not have a home game. And too camp. many variables right. for me to make me feel good about it. But I think the problem to me is I don't know, and no other coaches know how it works. You can't get a coach to come on this show and explain it to you. Nobody knows. John knows more than most people about all that stuff. So I asked John, and I don't think John still explained it to me. Okay, And so it's kind of, we don't know. It's like, hey, are we in the playoffs? I don't know. Well, yeah, who no. do you have to beat? I don't know. How many games do you have to win? Not sure. I'd never forget the first year you were here, and it was the wild card thing back yeah. then. And, and that was based on your own record, not anybody else's record. And I remember getting the, the phone call before the cell phone days of, uh, seven o'clock on a Saturday. John, do we still have a chance to make the playoffs? And and you know it was like I think there was one more game in the regular season, and and you know so ended up not making it. So then that was the last time I popped it wasn't in the playoffs. And we beat Evans in that last game, by the way. Yeah, over there. And so it, it just you know it, this this new system. We'll see how it works out. I don't know. There'll be some unintended consequences. I think 
uh, most things like this there are. But uh, we'll see. It may be the greatest thing since sliced bread, but we won't know till you, you really don't know, unless you're a district winner, you won't know if you make the playoffs until after everything's said and done. I thought that when I was in Georgia, the way they had it set up is they have regions instead of districts, but it's the same concept. There's a lot less teams in Georgia. It's more spread out. But if, like, say, in Region 1, there might be eight teams, six teams, seven teams, whatever. Four were going to make it. The top four made it. So it wasn't overly hard to get into the playoffs. But if you were a four seed at a Region 1, which is in the South Georgia area, you were going to play a one seed from Atlanta in the first round of the playoffs up there. And then if you won, miraculously, you might play a one seed from Region 2 over in Savannah or something like that. And so the, the fact that you had one seed through four seeds, you couldn't have teams in the same area meet until like the state semifinals or the finals. And so that was good, that you spread things out. That's one thing I don't like about the playoff system as it's been, that maybe this new system will change it is. I hate to play people in the first and second round that you've already seen or are local or maybe know more about you. Back when I was here the first time, I remember we played Edgewater in the third round. But now we, play, we played Evans in the second round that year. You see, and we played Winter Park in the first round, didn't we, John? Oh, you know, we won state in 2001. Was it Winter Park? No. Yes, yes. No, we played Boone that year. We played oh, yeah, Boone. yeah, yeah. That was right. Yeah, yeah. But we have played Winter Park before in the playoffs when we played them in the regular season, too. And so I'd rather see different opponents earlier in the playoffs. And if you're playing someone local, it's a third or fourth round matchup. I think that's more fair. You know, sometimes it's really, I tell you this, it's hard to get out of the first and the second rounds. A lot of teams get knocked out in the first and second round because that's where all your rematches happen. You know, if you beat a team once, it's hard to beat them twice. And so I'd rather have it where, like, first round we play someone from Tallahassee. Second round we play someone from Bradenton. And then maybe third round come back and play someone local. Great insights. Coach, thanks for being here to join us with our insights. We look forward to having lunch with you after the show. Absolutely. Rich, thanks for joining us. Deshaun Massey, thanks for being here. Any closing thoughts? Um, go Darters. And shout out to my family that's all listening. And coaches and strong coaches. Best wishes to you. John Peary, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Thanks Roger. to Pete Paquette, our special on location. Tom Dorman, thank you for being here. Former Blue Darter quarterback. And John. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.